Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. 2 Timothy 3 tells us that one of the marks of this being the last days, you know, we talk about the last days and people say, well, how do you know this is the last days? Well, there's a lot of reasons for it. Israel's tied up in it. But one of the reasons is that the culture is going to resist submitting themselves to authority. They're not going to want to do it. It it talks specifically about children disobeying parents. Well, here in chapter three, I already know we are going to have a lot of people that are going to have a list of justifications on why they don't have to submit to authority. And why would they be thinking that? Because our end times culture rejects this teaching. So any of you who are parents, you know how it is when you tell your kids to do something. And the first thing they strike back at you is why they don't have to do it. It's like, all right, get ready for bed. And the child says, but I just made it to level 12 in my game. It's like, I don't have to do what you say because of this thing. And that's the kid version, but adults today have a more mature way of rejecting authority. Yes, Jesus, I will serve you except for that. I'll serve you all the way, but but just not that. So I want to show you Hebrews 13 and 17 says, obey those who rule over you. And be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. You know, all these people going on, I didn't elect that man. I didn't vote for him in this attitude. I'm not going to get under his authority. You contesting that doesn't hurt him. It hurts you. It's unprofitable for you. I remember the first time I realized the accountability I had with this church body. I used to think this church was small until a pastor friend came to me and said, Ray, when you stand before the Lord and you're made to give an account for all the people in that church, how's it going to feel then? And all of a sudden, this church got really, really big. (laughs) Likewise, I also realized my accountability to get under those who have authority under me. We all have to get under authority of somebody. Now, I want to state again, we're in the end times marked by a culture that refuses to submit to authority, and so most of what we're going to hear today is considered offensive. But I'd like to ask you to keep cultural thinking from blocking your view of God's Word today. So in chapter 2, as I'd said, Peter instructed us how we're to submit to those who are over us, and then here in chapter 3, it's going to be about submission in marriage. First Peter 3, verse 1, submission to husbands, wives. Likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Peter said that women are under the authority of their husbands, so they should submit to their husband. Uh, I know this flares people up, but I 
like I already made the case, we're in the end times where authority and godly order is hated so much that even people who call themselves Christians, they cannot see this passage straight. I'm going to try to work with it. I'm going to give it to you all in love and the best humility I can, okay? But we need to see this rightly. Ladies, to be submissive to your husband does not mean that you are less than him. Doesn't mean you're less, doesn't mean you're inferior, and it does not mean you're below him. It's just God's order. A comes before B, B comes before C. A is not better than B. I've seen some words where there were more Bs in it than A's, but it doesn't mean that it, A is better than B. It just It's just an order, okay? Doesn't mean you're inferior. Now, with our end times rejection of authority, there's a lot of women, they take immediate offense and anger to this passage simply because they aren't reading it right. That cultural block has fogged their view. It's like working with dirty safety goggles on. You cannot be a Christian and pick and choose which parts of God's word you're either going to believe and which parts you're going to have the right to tear out. You have to take it all. Now, submission does not mean that you are less than him. However, it does mean that a wife is to accept her place under the leadership of her husband because that is how God has established the family order. You notice that everything to do with family order is a wreck today. They're even going after gender now, for crying out loud. Ephesians 5.23, just to back it up. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. I've counseled lots and lots of people from A to Z across a big spectrum, but one thing I always seem to get is, yeah, but what if he does this? But, but what if he does that sort of thing? You know, don't start looking for ways to disobey, is what I'm getting at. Don't say, well, yeah, but he does this thing that's ungodly. Don't look for ways to disobey. Kind of like that kid did, go to bed. Yeah, but I just made it to level 12. Christians don't look for ways to disobey God's word with a justification to it, but rather they do the opposite and they look for ways to obey God's word. God's word says that wives are to submit to their husband even if they do not obey God's word. Heavy, I know. So maybe they are doing all these bad kind of things. That doesn't give justification for you on how to get out. Of this. The Bible says submit anyway. Why? Because there's a point to this. Is that so the wife can win them over to God by their conduct? But he also went on to say, without saying a word. <laughs> without saying a word. If the wife can win them over without saying a word, that really has some punch to it. You know, nothing irritates a man more than a naggy, snappy wife. And I think God already understood this when he wrote this in his word. So that's why he said, without saying a word, you can do this. You don't have to go yelling and yapping. Your conduct will shout louder than any words will. Now, I sometimes hear Christian women, they spiritualize themselves up so high, they'll say, well, I love Jesus. I'll do anything to see an unbeliever get saved, except when it comes to submitting to that husband. I'll do anything to see an unbeliever come to Jesus, but not with that husband, I won't. And that is a snag that blocks a lot of blessing. And that's where they draw the line. Anything anything to get anybody saved, but not him. It, I'm not going there. And often they say, he doesn't treat me right. They take it personal. And now the deal's off. Forget what the Bible said about winning them over. So much for doing anything to see an unbeliever saved. I'm not doing that. If we're going to be gospel people, then we need to be gospel people to everyone. 
Now, ladies, let me say this much. I'm going to let me let me follow up because I know there's all kinds of problems going on out there. If your husband is abusive, if he is physically hurting you and dangerous like that, then get out of the house. Leave. Go somewhere else. Get somewhere safe. I'm for that. I'm not advocating divorce, but I am saying get away from that bad situation and you rat him out to the whole family telling him what he's doing. But then you work from there to get things right. You still can follow what Peter said, but if it's a dangerous situation, that doesn't mean you have to stay there and take it. You get out, but you are still bound by what Peter said and being in submission to him. What Peter's talking about here is specifically is the fact that when you're bound to a man in marriage, if it takes 50 years to get through to the guy, then you are responsible for that as someone watching out over his soul. God's Word is telling us that the powerful purity of a godly wife can break through even the hardest man's heart. Now, I've seen lots of men get saved because of their wives. A lot of times. I think it's probably more often than not the wife is saved before he is, and then he comes around. All because of wives that chose to obey God's instruction here in 1 Peter 3. This is a great opportunity for women. 1 Peter 3 and 3, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of the Lord. You know, there's a lot of women out there that look absolutely stunning, but their personality is sour. They look great, but they behave terrible. They look beautiful, but their conduct is very ugly. Peter is saying, don't let your adornment just be outward. Getting your hair done is great. Getting jewelry, nice clothes, that shows a respectful outward appearance, but that does not make up for having a bad, sour attitude at all. If you have to adorn yourself, make it what's in your heart. Ladies, I'm a guy, which means I know how they think, okay? (laughs) And I'll tell you, there's nothing more attractive than the beauty of an incorruptible, gentle, quiet spirit of a godly woman. There is nothing that's more attractive than that. And it says it's even precious to the Lord as well. God sees that and he goes, man, that looks great. Somebody might be thinking, well, I'm not that kind of gal. When I got something on my mind, I just say it and I don't care what anybody thinks. I just say it and let them have it. Okay, okay. (laughs) As Peter indicated, that's not a very precious thing in the sight of God. We have to think the way God wants it, right? A woman who is able to win over an unbelieving husband has a loveliness about her, which does not come from her outward adornment. You're not going to win anybody over to Christ by looking pretty. You're going to win them over to Christ by having that inward adornment of the heart. Now, the world is right now throwing celebrities at us. They look beautiful. They got the fancy cars and all the glitter and all the glamour. And they're trying to make people think we, we should be like them. We should be good looking. But God says the greatest adornment of a woman is her gentle, quiet spirit. That is the best looking, most attractive thing that there can be. This does not mean that women should not wear jewelry and nice clothes. I find it weird I even have to say that because some people take it to extremes. Oh, Ray, you're saying I shouldn't. Wear? I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> Dress up. Look good. That's great. But make sure your adornment inside is, is, is well-dressed up, okay? The outward attire is not as important as the inner source of true beauty. 
1 Peter 3 and 5. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Look at this. She called him Lord. Can you imagine if Anna walked up here and said, Lord, to me? How many of you wouldn't raise an eyebrow? What did she just call him? That's what Sarah did with Abraham. She called him Lord. Now, for anybody who's looking for a reason to not agree with this, they could easily say, well, this is just Peter's opinion. But Peter referred back to some good and godly women of the Old Testament to use them as fine examples through Sarah. Having a pure life, a submissive spirit, have always been a godly woman's source of beauty. And often when I counsel married couples, I discover that when the wife wants her way, she will throw away her gentle, quiet spirit, and yell and fight to get her way until the husband would rather just give her what she wants just to get her quiet again. The husband will give up and lay down and become spineless just to make her quiet. I have tried to help a lot of uh, backwards marriages where the husband will do anything to get her quiet spirit back again even going so far as to giving up his leadership role over her just to get it back. And that's backwards. So then when you have men who won't lead and women who won't submit, the whole marriage gets twisted up completely backwards on both sides. It's all messed up. It doesn't work. It's not the way God said it to work. There's nothing more attractive to both God and men than a gentle, quiet spirit. Now, I'll, I'll tell you, Abraham wasn't always the best guy. He didn't always do everything right. But even Sarah was used as our example here that she obeyed him, and she called Abraham Lord. You can look it up in Genesis 18, 12. She calls him Lord. Now, calling him Lord, why did she do this? It means she recognized Abraham as the leader and the head of the household. When we acknowledge Jesus as Lord, when we call Jesus Lord, that means we're also recognizing Jesus as our leader and our head also. It is a title that shows recognition of authority. Sarah said this to Abraham, and I hope you do the same thing with Jesus Christ and call him Lord, recognizing his authority. But it's a huge problem today that a lot of people, they call themselves a Christian until it comes to obeying God, until it comes to obeying some of those things that God said to do. That, yes, but, but not that. I'm not going to do that one. We'll call ourselves Christian all day long. But when it comes to submitting to somebody else's authority that we don't really necessarily like, we'll do anything except that. Imagine a father and son talking. Do you love me, son? Yes, I do, Dad. Okay, I need you to get ready for bed. Well, yeah, I love you, Dad, but anything but that. You see how conveniently we pick and choose what we're going to obey whenever it rubs our bias the right or wrong way. Peter said women with a submissive and quiet spirit Here's, here's your benefit from this, ladies. He says, you can receive the heritage of Sarah. This means you get a blessing out of this. He said in verse 6 that you are daughters of Sarah if you do what is right. If you do the submission thing, you get the heritage from Sarah. If you do what is right and not give way to fear. See, guys, fear is what will cause you to conduct yourself in an ungodly manner. I know a lot of women. I know a lot of guys, too. They're afraid to let the wife do the role. Or the wife is afraid to let the husband do the role because he's such a knucklehead, he'll just screw it all up. And then they get afraid to get in their proper role. Well, if I, if I submit, 
then he's going to mess everything up because he's an unbeliever. See, now you're in fear. Peter said you can receive the heritage of Sarah if you do this without fear. So when this commanded order of God is violated and rejected by women, I'm not going to submit under him. It's because they're afraid. They have become afraid, and so they justify themselves why it's okay to disobey this command of God rather than to submit to their husband with a quiet, gentle spirit. And again, they take what's precious to the Lord God and attractive to him, and they throw it away because they're afraid of what's going to happen. Now, some of you might be thinking, I don't really see this the way a woman sees it uh, because I'm a man. I've never had to face such hostility in a marriage before. I'm not seeing this right. I'm not seeing it like this. I've never been there. Well, that's why I'm going to bring, for the first time, I think, I'm going to bring Anna up here to give you a little bit of insight from her side of the story. Y'all got to realize she married me, right? Anna's got a few things to say on this subject. Uh, So when uh, yesterday we were, Joanna and I were doing our podcast, um, The Modern Day Abigails, and we were doing Songs of Solomon 5, and I was calling it True Love takes work. Now, I know some people, it's not as much work as others, but some of us are very stubborn, hard-headed, went for my dad to say amen, and so it takes a lot of work. And so we were coming out, and Ray go, oh, good. He goes, we have a sticky situation on the next message, and he was telling us about it. I'm like, babe, we just talked about that. That's what we're talking about, because we're supposed to be a new creation, and we're learning about the women of the Bible. I said, I've got the perfect story for you. So I'm going to take a long story and make it extremely short. But I was very young when my parents had taken us to church, and I heard the pastor ask if we, we were sinners and if we needed salvation, if we wanted Jesus. And I knew I was a sinner. I knew I needed Jesus. And immediately the enemy attacked. And so it was a, a nice long roll. And most of the stuff you might hear, please understand, I have great parents. <laughs> they don't know half of it because I never talked. And so the reason I'm leading up to this is I made some very poor decisions. And, but by the grace of God, he took my poor decisions and made me be able to stand here today. So I'm very young and I am, I have a baby and I am married and he was very abusive. There's more than one form of abuse. There's several forms and he had most of it. And we were probably on our way to a third abuse. And so he had uh, wandering eyes as well. And I was stuck in it. And I remember asking the Lord one day after a chair was thrown, Lord, I can't do this for 50 years. What do you want me to do? I can't do this for 50 years. But we stayed anyway. My 18-month-old son comes up to me, puts his hands on my shoulders and goes, it's going to be okay, mama. It's going to be okay, mama. So I started learning how to pray. The Lord taught me how to pray. One day we'll sit down, we'll chit-chat, pot of coffee, and I'll tell you the way that the Lord was answering my prayers in miraculous ways as I'm in this marriage. I'm not kidding when I say there's the Quran and the Satanic Bible on one shelf, a Holy Bible on another shelf. But God was protecting us. And so I started learning how to pray, and I'm praying, I'm praying. And then one day, I'm thinking everything's getting better. And the next thing I know, he's like, uh, we're getting a divorce. Um, got somebody else moving in. What do you mean? So he packed our stuff in trash bags and told me to go home to my parents, which I was very grateful. They took us in, and then my dad, he became the authority over me, and he took action to keep us protected. But in the meantime, he packed a bag full of my stuff in trash bags, but I packed my own bag. You see, I had packed a bag of fear. I had packed a bag of anxiety. I had packed my bag full of mistrust. And and it was already there, and that just made it even more. I had a bag full of abandonment and resentment. And I had it a nice little tucked up bag, and I wore it all the time. But by being in my parents' house, I was allowed to start 
getting uh, going to church. I was able to start reading my Bible. I started developing this relationship with Jesus and I started learning and reading in the Bible. And so for 13 years, the Lord let me read all the scriptures about being a wife so that when I finally got to Mary Ray, hey, I got this, right? <laughs> so I want to share a story about what the Lord told me one day. See, I was working out. I work outside the home, working outside the home. And I was used to having, um, I knew my job and I was going to do my job. The problem was, is I was doing that same thing at home and I was overrunning him because I'm going to do my job. I know what my job is. So one day I'm sitting at my desk and I, and they gave us this cute little trinket of, of our equipment. It was a flash drive. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, I'm going to give this to my dad. He'll love this. And I hear the Lord go, give it to Harold. Now, Harold's a great truck driver. He brought in my new equipment. Harold and I, he was an older gentleman. We talked all the time. And I hear him go, give it to Harold. I'm like, no, nah, I'm giving this to my dad. Give it to Harold. And God used a dad voice. Give it to Harold. Fine. Harold walks in. Here, Harold, you want this? Oh, that's is great. What is it? So I had to explain to him what a flash drive was. And I'm in my heart going, see, God, he doesn't even know what it is. Well, then Harold comes back. But this time there was nobody on the yard. So he goes, Anna, I need you to come out here and do an inspection so I can offload. So I'm walking. I hear God go, ask Harold where he's going to go when he dies. Now, that was easy. I asked Harold, hey, where are you going to go when you die? We have this nice little dialogue, right? So I'm turning around and going back in, and I hear the Lord go, did you stop talking to your dad when you got married? Like, well, no. He goes, then why do you think I'm going to stop talking to you? You see, I realized that that fear I had, the resentment, the abandonment, the mistrust had led me not to be submissive to Ray. And it was holding us back because I wasn't submissive to him. I wasn't submissive to the Lord. And I was being held back. I wasn't being a new creation. I didn't realize I had that fear in me because I was afraid God would stop talking to me. But what he was saying is, I can't talk to you if you're not going to be in order. So if you want me to continue talking to you, you got to be in order with your husband. And so he started taking me. So I prayed. I said, okay, Lord, do what you got to do. Get me there. And I'm going to tell you it was blood, sweat, and tears. It was God's blood, but it was my sweat and tears because it was a lot of hard work to get to where I could stand up today. And um, he brought somebody like Joanna who would look at me and she goes, Anna, you're treating your husband like he's your boss. You're not treating him like a husband. Okay, what do I need to do? How do I fix this? And I'm going to tell you that as the Lord worked on me, I learned how to be quiet. I learned how to be more gentle. I learned how to be more soft. And I learned how to take everything to the Lord in prayer so that the enemy could not get in between us. So ladies, this Bible thing, it really does work. And it is hard because true love takes work. You know, the first time, one of the early times I remember meeting Anna, I was working at an electronics place building transmitters, and she brought a big old giant spool of wire that she had to hang on this rack. And I said, uh, hey, can I help you with that? She goes, I don't need no man's help. I'll do this myself. Whoa. And I thought, challenge accepted. I'm going to conquer this one. So anyway, the Lord brought us around. So ladies, th- there, there's a lot of good stuff in here. You can receive the heritage of Sarah, and he'll fix your marriage. He'll f- I understand that you may have had a bad thing in the past, but I'm talking about walking forward. There's forgiveness. Let's walk forward and do right, okay? So now, guys, it's your turn. 1 Peter 3, verse 7, a word to husbands. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding. Thank 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.